Welcome to Transformations, the HR management podcast by Cardata. I'm your host, Lindsay Claiborne. And together with our guests, we'll uncover and share stories from real HR professionals and dive into how they succeeded and sometimes failed in leading their people and organizations toward new ways of working. The role of HR has drastically changed. In today's world, HR is no longer just an administrative function. It is a key business driver. HR leaders are standing at the forefront of their organizations, navigating new challenges and leading major shifts in everything from recruitment, total rewards, engagement, retention, leadership, and more. In order to stay ahead of what works for their businesses, HR leaders are tapping into new ways of thinking and leading. I can't wait to share our dynamic and in-depth conversations with you. Remember, change is inevitable, transformation is influential. I am thrilled to introduce Rob Catalano, co-founder and chief engagement officer at WorkTango. Rob is a true innovator in the field of employee engagement, and his platform is transforming the way companies inspire and connect with their employees. Rob's dedication and expertise have earned him a remarkable reputation as a leading influencer in the global employee engagement community. From 2017 to 2020, he was recognized as a top global employee engagement influencer, and he continues to inspire and collaborate with passionate HR leaders from around the world. Rob's journey is one that is fueled with a genuine desire to help organizations succeed by creating meaningful and engaging workplaces. With his extensive knowledge and experience, he has become a trusted advisor and thought leader in the industry, and I'm thrilled to share my conversation with him with you today. Rob, so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love love talking about anything to do with the workplace and making it better, so uh, the pleasure is mine. <laughs> As do I. And I'm super excited to hear about your journey, specifically uh, hearing about your company, WorkTango. So I'd love to actually start there and have you tell us a bit about WorkTango and what the focus and purpose of WorkTango is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, WorkTango is just a an amalgamation of the last two decades I've spent in, you know, in the world of making work better, whether that's our own organizations or we're building HR technology companies, so I can share more about that story, you know, perhaps later. But uh, WorkTango in itself is what we call an employee experience platform. Uh, effectively, it's uh, it's three major pillars to drive successful employee experiences, knowing that that translates into better customer satisfaction, better profitability, and, and all the growth we want to see in our companies. But it really starts with employees, and those three pillars are what we call surveys and insights, the ability to understand employee sentiment through surveys, through other methods to, to you know, be agile and understand where we can navigate towards creating that better experience. Uh, the other is what we call goals and feedback. So think about modern performance management. Uh, how do you make sure it's not just about setting goals, but aligning conversations and, um, and, and, uh, and aligning leaders and employees with the right discussions on not just performance, but growth. Uh, and the third pillar is about rewards and recognition. How do you recognize key values and behaviors you want to see more of in the organization? Um, and a lot of companies, again, use all points in that platform. Some just use one or two, uh, but it's all in the spirit of just building better workplaces um, uh, at the end of the day. That's amazing. And that is such a huge focus for so many organizations now is recognizing the need to create a great employee experience. Before we get into that, because I have some questions about that, I'm really curious of what inspired you to build this platform and to start WorkTango. Yeah. So if you, you look back about 20 years ago, maybe I'm dating myself. I, uh, I spent a number of years working for an agency uh, in, in a marketing realm. 
And what would happen after that is, uh, or during that time, I would work one day a week at our customer offices. So think about big brands and really exciting when you're in school and just graduating. And uh, I literally would end up working in these other offices, looking around the room and thinking, everyone is miserable at work. Like, this is what I'm going to do for the next 40 years of my career is sit in an office and not enjoy my experience. Like we spend most of our waking time at work. And I quickly had a, a shift and I said, you know what, for everything I learned from a, a university perspective from marketing, why aren't we translating those same ideas into better workplaces? What I mean by that is one, we look a lot at data, right? We invest a lot. We have a lot of data from a marketing perspective. Why aren't we doing that for our employees? And also marketing is a huge investment. You have to identify an ROI. If you look at any budget line in any organization, people is number one on that as well. And I wasn't as interested in the theory of consumer behavior. It was, well, why are these people not engaged at work? What, what should the company be doing better to build better experiences? So I literally left that world and got into HR technology. It was originally a company called uh, I Love Rewards that turned into Achievers that many people know in the recognition of reward space. Spent 11 years growing that company. And uh, when it sold in 2015, there was still a huge passion there. And that led to starting Work Tango back in 2015. So uh, big, been a great journey, 20 years of what I call, you know, focus on building better workplaces uh, and, and tied to something I'm really passionate about. So uh, not a typical HR leader, but I spend a lot of times looking at our company from an HR lens with that same concept of building better workplaces. I always say we have to drink our own champagne. If we can't do it for ourselves, we won't be able to do it for our customers and, and, and everyone in our mm. community. So yeah, that's a quick history. I, I love that. Um, and I love how you identified that there is the ability to shift like practices and principles in one area of the business and apply it to another. And in this case being the internal employee experience, I think that's a growing trend with a lot of the things that HR leaders specifically are doing. Like you said, with data analysis, there's now concepts of employer branding. Do you see those as factoring into the a reason why there's such a shift in the workplace and, and a shift from maybe traditional HR to, to modern HR? I mean, I think a lot of things play into that, right? I, and I always think about, we think about the workplace and employees, but the reality is, is there were humans before their employees. A lot of them were consumers before their employees and just the changing expectations of what they want to see when they interact with a company, a brand, an employer, I think has forced HR to make a lot of those shifts. And and I, in, in the same breath that you said of thinking about it from another lens of the business, like marketing, you know, think about what they do for their consumers and prospects. They, they dive into digital, you know, technology to make those experiences better and understand their sentiment. They focus on people's personalization and very human focus versus a one size fits all. We've all got that email that looks like it's going to a mass, you know, a mass group and you kind of ignore it. But when it's personal, it really stands out. Um, so I think, and even a lot of businesses are focusing on a customer level on purpose and what they do for the community and the environment and things like that. So I think the, the, the employee expectations have changed so dramatically and we need employees to drive success of our businesses. And I think HR is taking a lot of lessons from, you know, the other parts of the business in order to build those right experiences. Um, employees fuel our companies kind of, you know, period. So, uh, the focus I think has shifted to, this is not just a place where you are going to work at. It's a place that we all want to work with each other mm -hmm. towards a common goal. And it's interesting you bring up employee expectations because I think there's been a big shift in the type of expectations that employees have of their employers. 
how would you how would you define i guess the the modern employee and the modern expectations of employees that you see in in working with so many organizations yeah i mean i can say now i'm in the older generation group so i get to work with other generations younger than myself and uh i think it boils down to a few things one is there's a different mindset with with the new employee generation like they want to be again work with a company versus at a company focus on purpose I think the shift in tech proficiency is huge, right? Like they, they live digital, they live online. And if your organization can provide that, again, same experience to whether it's communicate better or get things done easier, I think that's a modern employee shift. Uh, another is work-life balance, right? We were all, you know, grew up as we had to, we had to work to live, right? And, and they're just like, let's just, sorry, live to work, but they're just like, let's work and then let's live our lives and let's, you know, have gig economy on the side, do things that we're really passionate about. Um, and the other thing that really stands out, I think, with a modern employee is just communication style, right? Like back when I was, you know, getting into the workplace, you didn't tell your manager what you thought. <laughs> you didn't communicate things in a certain way. Like now it's like they are more than willing to give feedback top down, bottoms up, side to side, you name it. So I think those employee mindsets and the modern employee kind of align around those four things top of mind. And that can, you know, when not maybe channeled in the right way or not responded to in the right way on the on the part of employers, you know, can start to that, that feedback and how employees are communicating with us, if it's not responded to in a, in a good way can pose challenges. But what benefits do you see with this new way of communicating and this that employees have with respect to their employers and their organization? You know, I, I've been in the world of getting employee feedback for a long time, and there's a lot of benefit, right? At the end of the day, if you don't have a good understanding of what's working and what isn't, then it's hard to navigate to success. I mean, think about it, right? Success is linear, right? Like you're, you're sorry, success isn't linear. It's not going to get from A to B. There's going to be things that happen all around us. Hey, guess what happened in the last two years? We're, you know, issues with building diverse workforces, remote work and back to work, all the COVID components, change management more than we've ever seen. So it's been really critical to get those feedback loops in a more agile way in order for companies to navigate what's working, what isn't. Because for a lot of the things that HR leaders or companies go through, there's no book on it, right? Like we're all writing it together. So that feedback loop is really, really critical. And what I found is, when there's more agility in getting that feedback, when there's technology to make it a lot easier, it's helping companies not only build a better experience, but a better a company experience from a growth perspective. Um, so it's, it's, it's this new wave of how do we leverage employee feedback in order for us to better the experiences for, for everyone around us. And I think a lot of companies that don't do that and they, you know, focus on it once a year or don't do it as frequent um, are challenged. Um, last thing I'll say on that is, Think about the agile development process, right? It's kind of that same idea, right? We're going to, you know, put things out into the world more frequently and get feedback from our consumers in order to build a better product. We had to do the same thing with our employees, right? Like get feedback, understand what's working, what isn't, and be agile in our way to success, however it's defined. Do you think that there is any challenges with, so with implementing agile, kind of an agile mindset in terms of our workplaces and, and how we operate? Do you think there's risk of change fatigue at all with with employees and and how can company leaders man appropriately manage? Yeah, that? it's funny. I, I'm not going to answer your question directly, but I think about like oh, I will in a second. <laughs> uh, I'll get there. But in the world I'm in, which is a lot of employee feedback through employee surveys, 
I always say there's no such thing as survey fatigue. There's lack of action fatigue, right? Um, people will give you feedback. I have companies that will check in with their employees. We call it active listening every, not every quarter or every month or biweekly, even weekly, they're getting quick feedback points because they're taking that information and they're making adjustments and change. I think change uh, fatigue really isn't a thing as long as you're communicating why the change is being attempted, what the outcome looks and feels like, but employees are part of the process in that feedback, that retrospective world of what's working, what isn't, and what would you do differently. And I think that's the real key where if you just do change to someone versus have change and have them along the journey, that's a game changer in how they interact. Um, one really interesting point there, that I always think there's two types of feedback. One is, are you satisfied or dissatisfied? And companies do that all day. The other one is what's called participative management. Hey, employee, this is what's not working well, or here's what we just launched, or we're going to launch something. Let us know what that feedback is so that change can be directed in the right way to help make everyone better or you know get 1% better every day. So I think companies that don't do a good job bringing employees in the loop, bringing leaders in the loop and communicating the what's and the why's, that's when it sounds like fatigue. When you have context, you're like, okay, I'm part of this game. And I'm involved in making this change a reality or giving feedback if it's not great. And guess what? Sometimes it's not going to be great. Um, one other just thought that popped up, is it's hard for HR leaders because every time you want to change something or buy a new technology or whatever it is, it's not just your team. It's every single employee, right? There's a huge spotlight. So I find sometimes it's easy to just you know trial something with one team or your team to see the results and kind of build that um, confidence that you can make change in other places. Uh, Cause it's, it's hard to you know, shift the process or structure or, you know, um, or communication patterns of a whole company, uh, big, small, medium, large, doesn't matter. And I'm curious um, because it sounds like what you're, you're, you're saying is we need to, recognize that there's we we there's a dissemination of like responsibility and accountability for um for shaping the employee experience and then specifically when getting feedback reducing that lack of action fatigue so how do you do you have any from your experiences do you have any observations or tips for how hr leaders being the I guess forerunner can get their their leaders to buy into or, or take accountability for when they get that feedback or they get p- feedback from their team to to action that without having you know HR having to be like hey this is a problem on your team hey we we need to fix this and instead just intrinsically being motivated to to want to to adjust or change or implement that yeah feedback. so I. I like using surveys as an example, not only because it's what Worktango does, but I have a lot of experience and stories there, but it's something people can relate to. Like 93% of companies do it. You've probably done it as an employee. So I find it's a good pillar point for an example to kind of answer your question. So to that point, where I see companies find success is, okay, let's do a survey engagement. Let's call it a engagement quarterly pulse. Instead of keeping that data in HR and being a filter, Companies send that data directly to leaders for their respective teams, departments, hierarchy, whatever it is. What you've done is now you've actually eliminated the time from getting feedback to the right people that can actually do something about it, right? Too often, HR sits there, they look at the data, they have a meeting with every leader. By that time, the data is pretty stale. So what that does is it builds a trust level to say, hey, leaders, we trust you with the information to build better experiences for your team. But that's where rubber hits the road because most companies in HR will do the engagement survey. 
and they'll have a one-size-fits-all solution on how to fix it. But guess what? It doesn't work for every leader. That's when you get leaders to go through an action planning world that's simple. And that's what I advise is that I use, I call it a three-to-one model. If you take three months, two things that will drive engagement from a factor perspective and one action for each of those two items, make it simple and see what you can do to impact your team. So you think about it, how do you get the data to the right people? The second is how do you build accountability on action? But the third is if companies are going to check in on their engagement survey once a year, leaders have no accountability to act, right? There's no accountability to do something different. If you're not going to see their their impact or their results 364 days later, so that agility and checking in more frequently is where people see a lot more impact because leaders know that what they do tomorrow is going to impact an understanding of what their team you know, needs or their sentiment is and if it's improving or, or, or not in a very short period of time. So it's similar to that agile model, but it's trusting leaders with what they need to get things done. Now, there's a lot more technology that can recommend specific learning to them or actions and other things, but just those three pillars I deter- uh, discussed. Those are just simple, low-hanging fruit ways where we have to enable our leaders to be better um, at the end of the day. Um, now, w- one last thing I'll say, I feel bad for managers and leaders because they are the face of our antiquated HR practices, right? Like, do a performance review once a year or, you know, here's your data that's stale. Like, we have to think about improving technology for them, data for them, and process, right, and not enable bad managers and leaders. Put them in a place where they can be successful because... I always say arguably, but I could argue all day that leaders have the biggest influence on the engagement of your teams. How do you leverage them? And, uh, and you know, to your question, how do you make sure that they're enabled in the process and uh, as well? And it sounds too like you're recognizing that while you have a broader organizational culture, every team has almost a micro culture and the leader is really the person driving that micro culture with, within the team. And so instead of uh, assuming, like you said, that there's one size fits all, you're instead giving them the information and empowering them to use it in a way and come up with that three, two, one framework that's going to work for their team. And in the end, maybe every team drives higher engagement. They just did it in different ways that better fit with their their team. Exactly, right? Like every employee different, their needs are different. Like a one size fits all not, is not going to work. And when I talk to leaders and ask them, like, hey, tell me about the process. Like, well, company rolled out X, Y, and Z. I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm not good at these other things that I'm getting no support at or the company's not leaning into. So when you have them part of that process, again, the accountability goes up and we need them to build better workplaces. HR can't, can't hold everyone and build that experience uh, uh, themselves. It sounds like a way to set up more scalable uh, systems for engagement, for employee empowerment, for reward and recognition as well. Yeah. And again, I'm just talking about, you know, engagement surveys as a, as a base that a lot of people know. But to your point, right, it's, it's not just about a performance review. Like, how do you have more frequent performance development conversations and have leaders own that process and, you know, decide what the development of those employees should be? Recognition and reward. It used to be, let's give people a reward for working for five years, literally breathing and sitting in seat versus let's give let's give you know responsibility and trust to leaders to recognize and reward their employees for living their values or goals or incentivizing them in different ways. So the leaders are a big part of that process and approach and I think have to be centered to any people strategy in general. It's not, you know, a business strategy lines up to HR, lines up to employees. It's a business strategy and a people strategy that every single leader owns. And if people can get in that mindset that's when you start seeing success. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
goes sort of along with something I wanted to chat with you about, which is that you post uh, you posted a couple years ago and you wrote that uh, in a blog about why Work Tango uh, doesn't have company values. And the phrase that you used in it was R&D it, which is ribbon off and duplicate. So describe, I know you were using it in the context of developing values and mission in that sense, but it sounds like that there's a maybe a broader uh, habit within HR to within HR leaders to just R&D it. And instead of like we've been talking about recognizing that <clears throat> there's a practice that you can have, but it's the the answer or the solution is not going to be duplicated across every single team. Yeah. Well, there's a lot there. I got to think about this one. Uh, so, so I'll give you some context. R&D, back when I was as at Achievers, that was one of our company values. And it did stand for not research and development, but rip off and duplicate. And the idea was, if you can stand on the shoulder of giants, see what other successful organizations have done, how do you take the best concepts of what you love and then make it part of your culture? Great example. Like back in 2007, companies weren't having daily meetings or weekly meetings or retrospectives. We saw other successful companies doing that in our community and said, we're launching this. It's a daily meeting, every employee, every day. At that time, it was very different, but we made it about our culture and company. And that's just an example of R&D. And the point of R&D in that, in that blog was that find what other people are doing. If you're struggling with how to bring back people back to work or think about a new leadership development process. Lean on your colleagues, the community. Like I said, we're all writing this book together. So that's that was the idea where we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Let's find out what great companies have done and research and not spend too many cycles on that and try it. And if it works great, if not, then be agile and do something different. Um, when it came to the, the your point about the virtues uh, and in the spirit of trying to really key in and hone in on something that's important to the new employee world that we talked about earlier is uh, back when we started work tango we created a passion statement instead of a mission statement and that was to improve work lives and work is in parentheses because we spend a lot of our waking time at work so if you can create great work experiences that translate to great life experiences but we did that and we also created our virtues versus our values and the virtues are what people um what they do versus what they believe. And the idea is we want to root our values, which we call their virtues, more in action versus just belief for things you put on your website or on walls. Um, so the R&D part of it was, hey, companies all have a mission or a mission and a vision and values. For us, it was, well, this is what we do for organizations. We try to enhance those things. How do we really change it a different way with our culture and feel to drive a narrative in our company and obviously to the rest of the community of what really matters to us and how we want to run our business. So, um, you know, that's a good example of R&D was a concept and we took that and made it our own, uh, which again, everyone has mission, mission, vision and values. We just had a passion and a virtues, which are a little bit work tango. And passion is, is such an incredible driver of, of performance in organizations. How do you think, organizations can drive more passion within their employees? Yeah. So, I mean, one is it's being really specific about what the passion is of the organization, but also not limit the passion that other people have to learn other things in your organization or, you know, whether it's GigaCon, the other things they'd love to do, never stopping that passion. Um, if you really want to, if I had one silver bullet though, it's higher to passion. What I mean by that is, you know, at Work Tango the last seven or eight years, interviewing anyone in any role, 
if in that interview, their eyes didn't light up for improving work lives, I'll be honest, I wasn't interested. Like having a group of people that are aligned to a similar passion, that's when magic happens. And I feel that if you can bring on the right people that have that day one, like it's hard to change someone's passion or to influence it in such a different way. Yeah, to me, it's a it's a, it's um, exercise in, in the talent acquisition process and making sure you're you're getting the right people in. So, if I had one piece of advice or thing I've seen work, that surround yourself with you know with great people that have a similar vision in terms of the north star. But it's not the be all and only passion they should have, right? They can have other ones too. Yeah, and I and I'm curious how for organizations taking the time to identify whether you know, they're using a traditional mission vision statement, or they're shifting to a passion statement. Why taking the time to do that is so important. And if you see that even more so now in a remote or a distributed work environment, that's important. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, full circle, we talked about like, what's the new workplace and the expectations of employees. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it because people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves or the organization and having that again, passion or mission or something that's above and beyond, you know, the operation of day to day company, I think people really want to sink their teeth into. And there's a lot of research out there that when this new generation is looking for roles or looking for organizations, they want it to be aligned to something that's helping not just a purpose and a passion, but sometimes focused on a better community, um, you know, or those types of, uh, of situations. So I think it's, it's a lot of companies are spending the time because it is worth it. But it's also, you know, in the spirit of aligning people, right? Sports teams know they are all going for the Stanley Cup or, you know, or whatever they're, sorry, I'm Canadian, there's a hockey reference. Um, but everyone knowing what that purpose is and what the end goal is, even if it's so unattainable and so out there from a uh, you know concept of improving work lives, at least everyone's on the same page. And uh, when you have people working on the same page, then I think that's when, when everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, we've come full circle talking about the modern the modern workplace. Part of that being now is companies that are 100% remote, some that are hybrid. There's distributed workforces, you know, across countries, across continents. For organizations that are maybe trying to build a culture, rebuild a culture, or just simply trying to drive higher performance, what do you think this world, new way of working what challenges do you think it poses? Yeah, well, I mean, to your point, right, just communication and this new way of working is hard, right? It's you don't get the water cooler discussion of getting people at a point where, hey, don't you seem off or you're, you know, let's talk about X, Y, and Z and get those, um, those unstructured conversations. So I think that's, that's the biggest challenge we have. And we also, I think we're hiring people in different environments and different parts of the world. And sometimes there are, you know, different um, experiences or or uh, or uh, backgrounds that people are bringing to it, and I think they're all really good. But it's getting a real challenge to bring people together, and that's when I think over communication, alignment to specific goals or a purpose is really critical. Um, but I also don't think it's changed that much from the past. Um, we always should have a similar, you know, focus and goal. It's just it's a little harder to get that communication disseminated to people. Uh, in, you know, not sitting in an office or a town hall, which was easier in the past. Um, I think the same principles apply. We just have to be more intentional in how we communicate it and how we make sure that we try to get over some of those challenges or barriers. That's such a great word you use there is intentional. I, I 100% agree with that, that it we're in a time where we do have to be that much more intentional about 
what we're doing, how we're doing it, whether it's because we have um, challenges or just we have to to account for that we're working in different ways that our workplaces look different now or uh, we're interacting with more people, different types of people. And specifically, how do you think that leaders need to become more intentional? How What about the way that leaders in the modern workplace calls for them to be more intentional? Yeah, I mean, I'll use one example that pops to mind. And I mean, it's a different experience managing your team remotely as an example or managing a different generation than it was in the past. Um, and what I see a lot of companies lean, on, lean in on and find success is even simple things like, I don't like calling them soft skills, but call them leadership skills of things like empathy. And, you know, there wasn't the reality of having someone, you know, having construction happening, you know, running around them or pets and kids running around as well. And I think just an understanding that um, people are going to do work on their own time, that the work-life balance is really important. I think just some of those soft skills are really critical from an enablement perspective. And it's a lens that they need to see the world in today that's different in the past. It's not militant that I'm going to tell someone what to do and they're going to jump as high as I tell them to. It's setting real expectations out there and having people kind of approach it in a way that works for them. Um, so, I, you know, I think that leadership is key, but even just simple things like train them on empathy, train them on ability to give feedback, um, obviously giving them the right enablement with the technology and process we talked about earlier is going to be key. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they have to be a part of that HR talent strategy, like their employees too, right? They still have needs. How do we make sure they're on that list uh, when it comes to an intentional strategy around building better workplaces? Mm-hmm. And what are, so you mentioned a couple of times how the importance of enabling the leaders with the right technologies. What are some of those technologies that HR leaders should be thinking about, should be advocating for to, to better enable their leaders? Yeah, I'm, this is the worst answer ever, but it depends. Um, I think if you think <laughs> that's such a lawyer response, <laughs> I know to be a consultant or a lawyer. Um, I say it depends because at the end of the day, again, I work with technology companies in HR. I've done it for mm-hmm. twenty years. Co-founded one of them. I also think that technology is an enabler of whatever strategy and approach that you have or you want. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it depends, right? If, if technology right. is critical for getting the right data to leaders in real time, then technology should do that. Technology is meant to inspire action. I was talking about our platform, literally nudging leaders with specific action plans based on yeah. you know, feedback from their team. That's a different enablement from a, um, from a technology perspective. If it's just about process and making their lives easier so that they can you know, have better conversations, that's technology enabled as well. And then there's everything on the whole L and D side of things where people may not know how to have you know, the right feedback conversations. And, bringing people in to do leadership training once a year, people are going to go back into old habits. So maybe it's from a development perspective or coaching where technology can support some of that reiteration and muscle memory when it comes to some of these new skill sets or processes you want them to take. So I think there's, there's so much out there. My gosh, what happened? What's going to happen with AI in terms of the, uh, the enablement there. Um, I just think it has to be rooted in a sound strategy of what do you really want leaders to achieve? And does the technology play into that? Because there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, sexy technology out there. But if it's not tied into your strategy, then what's the point? Yeah. So, and that sounds like you're taking the technology and transforming it from a tool to really a strategic pillar 
within your organization. Yeah, like you can plug in Worktangle tomorrow. If you don't have an approach on how you're going to listen to people or recognize them or mm-hmm. have an alignment strategy on goals, then what's the point? So um, I think it should be you know, strategy first, tech enabled later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. So I think we've uh, covered pretty much everything that uh, we wanted to, to talk about, which means that we have come to the end of our conversation. And that means it's time for the lightning round. So this is three questions that you did not have time to prepare yeah, for. Yeah, so this is uh, coming out of nowhere. All right, I'm, I'm prepared. It Let's is uh, the surprise lightning round. So these are three questions. I promise they're not hard, but you can answer with one word, one sentence, or if you, you want to give a little anecdote, that's totally cool. But I'm going to dive in. Rob, are you ready? Uh, no, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty, but we're going to go. Um, okay, so number one, what is the number one thing that you think HR leaders need to transform their thinking on? Um, I, I am going to say in uh, in agility. Um, everything I've just talked about, performance, recognition, listening to employees, leadership development, have all been annual practices. And I, I don't know if it's because we grew up in the CFO world where we think of things in annual you know, um, um, practices as well, but... Um, we have to be more agile in terms of how we approach things. And if you try it and it fails, guess what? We've learned something and we move on. Amazing. I would agree with that 100%. So number two, what is the most impactful piece of feedback that you have ever received? Can I give two? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> one is uh, one that I've received, but I also give all the time is surround yourself with great people. That's it. Bar not done. I've been part of three high growth companies. That concept of hire slow, fire fast, uh, it sounds uh, evil, but it's not. Find the right people, surround yourself with them, and great things happen, whether that's your team, your company, uh, your community, and and who you hang out with. So uh, the other part is uh, about 15 years ago, uh, a leader said to me, hey, Rob, you must bring the art of data to the table or you won't have a seat at it. I was like, I don't know what that means. He's like, no, no, bring the art of data. Art's an acronym, absolute, relative, and trend. It's like, okay, I still don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, think about it this way. If you just come to the table and say, hey, you know, Rob, or hey, uh, executive team, our engagement scores are 63. Great, that's an absolute number. It really has no value. When it's relative, hey, this is this department versus another one, where 63 is really great compared to other people in the industry. Now there's some relative understanding of what that data means in a new way. So it's a little more valuable. The T part is trend. Well, 63, we could have been 43 last quarter. Wow, we're doing really well. It could have been 85 last quarter. Something's wrong. We need to dig a little deeper. And then it made sense. Okay, well, let's bring the art of data to the table. So in HR, we're always asked to have more data, discuss you know, how data can support our decisions versus desire. And that's always hard when you're dealing with human beings. But you think about the art of data. If you don't have that in your any decision you make, uh, it's going to be really challenging to get people on board. So the art of data is something that still lives on. I love that. I've never heard that acronym, but I so appreciate you sharing it because absolutely that's a hundred percent the place we're in right now is HR has a seat at the table. They need to start interacting and speaking like the rest of the business, which there there's that fundamental need. But you said something interesting there. I know we're gonna we're getting off topic of the lightning round, but I there you said something interesting there about driving decisions versus desires. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Uh, I mean, you know, I I've said to people a lot, make decisions based on data, not desire, right? Like we all have a feeling of how things go. And sometimes it's a bit of an art and science. We don't have all the data, but if you approach it just on your gut feel, 
that's only going to get you so far. How do you make sure data is supporting that decision? And that's not just an HR thing. That's a, you know, in any line of business. So, um, I, I use that line a lot. Like make, make your decision based on data, not desire. So I think it's just ingrained in my head as well. Um, yeah. Gr- great little tidbit of advice to, to remember. Um, at least taking the action to seek out, is there the data available to, to support this decision and, and back it up? Cause maybe sometimes we just assume that there's no data and yeah. we, don't take the chance to look for it. Awesome. Lindsay, okay, before, getting back before to the me. next question, if you love yeah. our, if you love the art of data, you should R and D it and then just use it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> will do. Um, okay, last lightning round question. Now we got a little off, but back to the lightning round. Um, how much of your journey is made up of failures, and how much of your journey is made up of successes? Oh my gosh, I think it's a balance of both. Um, it'd be hard to, in a lightning round, think about. Um, what that is, but I would say it's dramatically more failures than successes. Because if you think back about what we talked about earlier, like I've been part of building three companies effectively you know, from scratch or with a few employees. That idea of success isn't linear. Like you figure out the way there, and there are so many failures that you learn from, and you may not learn from them and execute the learning today. You might do it in the second company or the third role or the fourth organization you're with. Um, but I think all those failures is the only way you navigate your way to success because, again, so many things come in the way. So um, especially in uncharted waters or new things you're doing, failing all the time. Um, it's just a matter of are you learning from it? Are you trying not to repeat those twice? Um, and you know, learning from others that have been through that journey to try to make the journey a little smoother. Mm-hmm. So accepting the failures along the, the windy path to success. I mean, you have to accept them. No one is perfect. There's no, you know, one path. It's like, we have to do it. And I think embody that concept and philosophy in our organizations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, People are, you know, if people are going to sit there afraid to fail, Mm -hmm. no one's going to move forward. You're not going to be successful and you will be the blockbuster and rim of our times. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, You know, you, you, it won't be that bad, but you won't, you won't move forward, right? People will be scared. It's Mm -hmm. just like psychological safety. People will be scared to speak up if they have this feeling like they can't fail or say something inappropriate that, you know, someone's not going to like, they have to be able to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you, Rob, so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was great to hear about all your experiences over the last 20 years, the work that you're doing at Work Tango sounds incredible and so many organizations and more importantly, people are going to benefit from what you're doing. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I have, I have a question for you. Am I allowed to do that? Of course. All right. So it's, it's second half of the year next week. Yes. Uh, you're thinking about your HR strategy for 2024. Like what are a couple of the top one or two priorities that, you know, you think you, you, your company, or maybe the market in general really needs to lean in given our environment at work today? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ones is thinking about how all of your practices and the way that you're making decisions, where can you find opportunities to be more transparent? Because to your point about feedback, I think individuals can give more effective feedback on whether it's a, a process or a practice or an initiative that's going to take place if they have more context. And having that context leads to, to understanding and to me helps to reduce the amount of time uh, and focus that goes into just trying to understand that context or trying to piece everything together and instead can focus on, well, what do I actually think? What's my opinion? What's the feedback I want to give? Uh, so that's one. And then 
being a, a smaller organization that has been scaling up for, for our business specifically, thinking about how we can continue to enable and empower our leaders and definitely some of the things that you shared today, I'm going to think about and, and see where we can incorporate that. So thank you. Awesome. I can't believe transparency didn't come out in our discussion today. Um, my gosh, the last, you know, 20 years, uh, full exposure to books, the results from employee mm-hmm. feedback. Uh, and I think part of that participative management we we're talking about earlier is if we're open about what's mm-hmm. happening, what's great, what isn't, that's when people lean mm-hmm. in and say, well, I know how to fix that, or I can support improving X, Y, and Z. And because the journey is not, you know, always successful and linear, um, Transparency to me is such a critical part of building great organizations and teams. So um, I'd love to hear that. And uh, um, I can do a whole other talk on that at some point. It'd be fun. (laughs) This has been Transformations, the HR management podcast by Cardata. To find out more about Cardata's vehicle reimbursement software tailored for HR professionals, visit cardata.co and see how you could benefit from a fully managed reimbursement program.